listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. In all three years of the lectionary cycle of readings, it is this gospel that's always read on the second Sunday in Eastertide. I think this is a remarkably wise decision on the part of the framers of the lectionary to have us read the story of Thomas, the disciple who couldn't risk believing unless he had solid, concrete proof. John's telling the other disciples had been together on that first resurrection day, and they had encountered the risen Jesus. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. And really, who can blame him? Along with the others, he'd left behind the life he'd known. He'd followed Jesus out on the road for three years. Been so much hope, so much promise, and yet the dream had all come crashing down just a few days earlier when Jesus had been arrested, Sentenced to death in what amounted to a kangaroo court. It was all a setup, done before it began. He'd then been tortured to death on a Roman cross as a public spectacle, a kind of a warning, don't act out of line or that's what happens to you. His broken body was buried in a tomb. Not only that, but it was clear that the disciples themselves could be next. Word was out that those who had done this to Jesus were looking to stop what remained of his movement in its tracks by taking out his followers. With his hopes crushed, his very life threatened, how could Thomas help but doubt? Why wouldn't he want, need, solid proof? A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. That's a significant detail. Thomas was with them. He couldn't bear to risk believing, but he'd also not fled back to Galilee either. He was still keeping company with the others, with those who dared to believe that the story had not ended, but in fact was now just beginning. They, they hadn't drawn a line in the sand demanding that Thomas believe, get on board, or be pushed out. No, somehow all of them, including Thomas himself, could reconcile doubt and misgivings with friendship and community. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. And Thomas answered, my Lord and my God. Jesus, too, 
could reconcile Thomas's doubts with the friendship he'd pledged him the night of his arrest when he bent down to wash all of the disciples' feet. Thomas' doubts are not taken as a breach or a barrier, but rather they are accepted and they are met. Touch my wounds, Thomas, if that's what you need to do. Touch my wounds, set aside your doubts, touch me and believe. Thomas answered, my Lord and my God, which is actually the highest proclamation regarding Jesus in the entire gospel tradition. Not simply Son of God or Messiah, but my Lord and my God. The penny has dropped for Thomas, maybe more profoundly than for any of the others yet. I've been walking with God for these years. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Is there a little bit of reproof, a little bit of scolding in there? Have you believed because you've seen me? Well, maybe there's a touch, maybe just a little bit of a poke at him. But the more significant statement is the one that comes next. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now, who do you suppose John the Gospeler had in mind when he wrote that? In the end, John has you and me in mind. And he has Macy in view as well. Macy, she's the little girl, Jaylene and Scott's little daughter, were about to baptize. We don't get to see the risen Christ in the way the disciples did. We certainly don't get to touch his wounded hands. There are other ways in which he's present to us, other ways in which we can and do experience and meet him, but much as we, like Thomas, can sometimes crave good, concrete, proof, and hard evidence, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Here's where this story becomes particularly relevant to us and to tonight's baptism. For that week, the Thomas couldn't bear to risk believing. The other disciples carried the story for him. He couldn't set aside his doubts, yet he also couldn't walk away from that circle of friendship, from that community. So he did stay close And they held the story for him. There are times when some of us struggle to believe or to trust or to make sense of this thing called faith, yet the gathered community, the body of Christ, still carries the story. There would be times when parts of the baptismal creed, the Apostles' Creed, we will proclaim in just a few minutes, there'll be times when that creed might stick in your throat And if those times you can't quite say it, the whole body says it for you. And when it comes to the baptism of a little girl, just a little over one year old, she can't clearly begin to understand all that's going on. I'm not quite sure what she's going to do when I try to take her into my arms. 
Much less will she understand the strong words her parents and her godparents will say on her behalf, very strong words. Well, it all becomes more real, this business of a community carrying belief. What we're doing today is to name Macy as one of us, fully one of us, with no less status, no less stature than someone with a doctorate in theology from the best school in the country, or a clerical collar and fancy vestments, or decades and decades of prayer and spiritual formation. Macy has no less stature in this community than any of us. And then we say, in effect, Macy, because you're one of us and one with us, Now, we're going to carry the story for you. We're going to carry the story for you. And as you grow and you learn, as you seek and inevitably ask questions and inevitably have doubts, we will continue to carry the story and to share it with you. As those disciples did for Thomas for that one week, we will do for you. The prayer in this liturgy comes close to the end of the baptismal part that I'm going to say over this little girl when we've come back up to the front. And I think that prayer really sums up the force of what we're doing and what we're wishing or blessing her with. It says, give her an inquiring and discerning heart. The courage to will and to persevere. A spirit to know and to love you and the gift of joy and wonder in all of your works. Give her an inquiring and discerning heart, which among other things means, let her ask her questions. Lord, let her ask her questions. But also give her the joy, joy and wonder in all of God's works, which is maybe the gift that will most see her through. To which I would want to add only this. Give us, Lord, give us as a people those very same things too. Inquiring and discerning hearts and that gift of joy and wonder through thick and thin, joy and wonder in all of your works. Give us those things and keep us moving forward. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to a St. Benedict's Table podcast. For more information on our church or to provide support for our online work, visit us at stbenedictstable.ca.